Take two. Wait a minute. Still no Chris, right? Chris hasn't popped up. Damn it all. All right, we'll just do it. Here we go. Three. It's his movie. Let's just do it. We'll do it live. Who cares? You know, Sean's mother's not going to think we're professional, and that bothers me a little bit. Or Debbie's So she's mother. getting an honest Debbie's impression. Mother. Well, right. you're, you're using the schlocky set this week, and you got right. the weird green screen going. <laughs> I, I mean, shaved your chest. You three, shaved your chest, I and you're not, pasty. I only, okay, three, two, one. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Welcome to Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast Classic. I'm Ralph Quartucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Deborah Murphy. Hey, Debbie. Oh my hey. God. I'm Tom Cody. Oh. What, the, Ralph? What are you what, doing? You just, you, okay, that's great, Ralph. I just do a bit, and you were, who the, what? What's going who on? Who the hell Ralph? is that? Jen, you doing in my basement? Come on, Jen said I could come. Jen said I could uh, sit <laughs> oh, in here. No, she doesn't what? get to say who comes over. Oh, right? I see Looking why. That. Oh. oh, so that's why. You, oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> oh, oh, sweethearts! You did a little bit, Ralph. I did a little. Oh, bit. all right, you guys. Well, now we Chris, know why he's cussing you out, man. I know it's uh, you know I'm having to sit behind the green screen. <laughs> I, I forgot he I forgot he couldn't hear the intro because yeah. I wanted to, he was all like after Debbie and Sean introduced himself. Oh, that was oh, awesome, man. Ralph. That was really really well done. Thank can't you. hear anything. Okay, well okay, played. You got to have Chris unbutton his shirt more so he mentions yeah. you, Ralph. No, I hear you guys. There you, go. you guys are killing me with that. Rico Suave, you got to cover that there up, man. The, the lights were really reflecting off the whiteness. All right, what's your name? Who <laughs> you? John Quartus. Thank you. You missed my bit, so. Okay. I'm Chris Coker. And I'm lucky. I guess maybe I am. But you're (laughs) dumb. Real dumb if you think you can pull this off. (laughs) Nice. Who do do you got up? There's an extra person on this podcast right now. Who's that up there? Yes, this is my mother, Marion Crum. She came from Ohio to join us on vacation in Punta Cana. And here we are, Punta Cana. You're you're. Exciting remotely. Hi, Marion. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? <laughs> very good. Welcome what are we drinking there? You look very tropical. What are we drinking? Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa. So there's steroids in it. Yeah. It's oh, they're delicious. <laughs> oh, nice. John, John, I'm sorry. What was your opinion? Vitamin and Vegeta. We, in, we interrupted you. It, it's too late. You, uh, I introduced myself as Tom Cody, but it didn't matter. I, oh, I used the Michael Perret voice and everything, and you <laughs> missed Michael it. Pere, Michael Perret has a voice. You were trying to do that bit, yeah, and, and you went over voice. my bit. Hey, hey, Michael Perret. This was his breakthrough role after the Greatest American Hero. Breakthrough? What? Oh, he was in uh, Eddie and the Cruises before this one. But anyway, okay, that's yeah. the movie we're going to do tonight. Chris's film. Eddie, Streets Eddie of and Fire. the Cruises was after this. Was was okay, uh, but no, before no, it wasn't. I think it was before this. Yeah, Eddie and the Cruises was his first film. Then he did one in um, Australia. And then he got his big break with uh, Streets of Fire. <laughs> then it was done. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do a round of what'd you watch. Yeah, Sean and Debbie, let's go up to your, your square first. What'd you watch? Well, let me... We've, that's why we brought my mother-in-law here to talk about what she watched. But let me... Marianne, what, have, what do you like to watch? I watch Sheldon. Oh, Jeopardy and Wheel yeah. of Fortune. Wheel so, of, of Fortune. Fortune. So what do you like about young Sheldon? He is so funny and so intelligent, and the family just makes me laugh. 
And I've never watched like that show. Has anyone else watched it? I've never seen that show. I, I have never not seen, seen one. Either. I never saw one frame of the first show. Oh, Big Bang Theory? I watched it the first couple of years. I didn't like it the latter half, but I liked it in the beginning when they were really nerdy. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, right. you would have loved it. They love superheroes and Star Trek. You would have loved it, Ralph. Now, Je- Jeopardy's still good now that Alex is gone and all the guest hosts are coming like in. Do you like Jeopardy? I love Jeopardy. I yeah, try to so get all the answers to the questions, but it doesn't work. Even without Alex? <laughs> well, it was wonderful with him, but the yeah. Alex are trying to do a good job. Yeah, trying is the operative word, Marion. Trying. They're not Alex Trebek. Well, they're not trying to be, so which I think no, is the No, right I choice. think they should get Will Ferrell. I think they should get Will Smith. Uh, <laughs> um, and if they so, get the answer um, wrong, what? Oh, now, what else? I want to add something. Please that um, Debbie and I, were, all we've been watching is a little TCM in Spanish, and which they have commercials in Dominican Republic and TCM. Mm-hmm. So let's hope they don't do that in the United States too. But last night they had on a true monstrosity. Um, stop where my mom will shoot. Oh, God. Sylvester Stallone, Estelle Getty. That was yeah, a, um, um, on Turner That's Classic an Ivan movies. Reitman film, right? Ivan Reitman, no. one of his bad ones. No. I think it's Donaldson, Roger Donaldson. That's on TCM? I'm not sure whether that was on TCM or some other network. I but hope here's to what's God great not. about it. The, the, whole, the screenwriting Bible now that everyone has to pay attention to, you have to structure your scripts around, is written by a guy named Blake Snyder. And Blake Snyder, who sold many million-dollar scripts, only had one movie produced in his lifetime. And that movie was Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Wow. Was that and one Debbie and only? was getting so angry watching this movie. She was like, what makes him think he can write a script? This is horrible. What makes him think he can write a screenplay book? You know, why does everybody care what he says? <laughs> she was getting was, angrier and angrier. That was a bad movie. I swear. It, I, you, are you sure Ivan Reitman didn't, didn't do that one? No, no. It was Roger Spottiswood. Okay. And the okay. thing that really. Or Spottiswood made. Yeah. The thing yeah. that I don't understand is he wrote the book and everybody refers to this book, Saving the Cat. And it's all. You know, hypocrisy. Really? Yeah, yeah, but you know, some of the best, like, people who talk about directing and some of the best actors who never really made it, they're still, they still know what they're doing, right? I mean, I don't know. That book is well, well, well regarded, isn't it, Sean? Yes, it's the Bible now. Okay, so there must be a reason. The thing is, I think it's destroying Hollywood because um, basically a book like that is like, when you come in a position where you're a buyer, you're afraid to make a decision because every decision you make costs millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Tens yeah, of it's millions not your dollars. money. Yeah. yeah. So who cares? And you don't want to lose your job. So you need an excuse to why you bought this. So everybody looks at scripts now and sees whether it follows the paradigm of save the cat. If it does, they can at least say, well, the script was good. It, it followed it followed the rules completely, and if you notice, and this is you know movies are becoming more and more similar to studio releases, mm-hmm. and I think that's you know in part because of Save the Cat. So it is a good book, but every movie can't follow that thing. 
You know, it just can't. Well, I mean, I think we're, I mean, every superhero movie is the same, practically, practically. Um, I disagree with that. I know. That's it's someone who knows nothing about superhero blah, movies right blah, there. Blah, that blah, statement. Blah, blah, blah. By the way, Ivan Reitman produced this. it. Okay, thank you. How many uh, beams in, into the sky in, in superhero movies? Light beams that go in the sky and open up the clouds and all six. that. Well, there's a, there's a lot, six? There's a, six. There's a lot in common, but that's like saying every Western is the same because there's a yeah. shootout. And no, a my, point is, my point is, my point is, these guys all, it's a trope. They, they're all just, they're, they're all just trying to make the money and they know what works. I mean, that's it. Except no, but here's like, the, here's the thing. Like it's like, one. not every, not every Western states the theme within five minutes. You know, I That's mean, true. this is a real serious breakdown. Everything has to happen by page number. You know, you know, no films in the 70s were like that. Westerns weren't like that. Not even superhero. But superhero movies still follow it to a degree, too. This really is the thing that's guiding it. What, like by yeah. the third act, or not, not third act, but the third page or... Yeah, so this, this has to happen. To happen. Right. Fifth right. page, twelfth right. page. Well, know. the movie we're going to do tonight broke all those rules, I think. Yeah. So, it, all right, Debbie, anything you, did. Debbie, anything you want to talk about? Um, what was the name of John? You'll know this answer. This this is a trivia question that came up about a movie. What was the uh, movie with um, Rock Hudson uh, and Rita? Or Ingr- we're talking today about not Rita John. Hayworth again. No. <laughs> no. Affair the to Remember. Weekend. What was the old movie? Good film. Affair to Rock Hudson wasn't an affair to remember. No, no, she's Cary Grant. Yeah. That, that was a remake. What was the name of the earlier one? Teenage Ninja Turtles. <laughs> no. That's what that... Backstreet something? It was an English version, wasn't it? It was in the English language. Okay. I know okay. that much. Debbie's, <laughs> Debbie's segments take forever because we don't know the movie we're talking about, and we all have to guess what she's doing. Is this a new movie? Was, it, need, was Susan Hayward in it? We're talking about hands. a bit. This is a bit. This is a good bit. <laughs> well, anyway, we were talking about that movie. It's my mother's favorite movie. Uh, a Fair to Remember is one of her favorite movies? Yes. Right, Mom? Right. But I can't remember the name of it. It's the earlier version. version. The earlier version. Do you ever got you guys ever see Rock Hudson in the movie Seconds? Yeah, sure. Have not seen that movie in years. I can't talk intelligently about. It. Well, that doesn't stop us. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Exactly. I believe I read I the book. what that's about. <laughs> Jesus. All right, uh, Drew, what'd you watch? Well, um I watched uh, a show that I, I wasn't excited about it, but I was curious to see what they did. And that's the, I watched the first episode of the Halo series on Paramount Plus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I love the game. Um, you know, 20 years ago now, it's a really fun game. The first, the first 15 minutes of the first episode were actually really entertaining. I was very, very surprised, but then I realized also I love the, the world that they've created in the game. And they did a nice job of, of creating some of that for the live action series. But there's a lot of lore about the world and the relationships between humans and the aliens and the aliens and the past and the future. And I don't really care about any of that, even when I'm in the game. And it looks like the series is going to head down that rabbit hole. So I don't know that I'm interested in it. I also finished Hawkeye and that was a lot more light and fun than, uh, than Halo. But I saw a movie last night that was, uh, it was quite traumatizing. Uh, it's called, uh, Shiva Baby. 
It's only 77 minutes because I think if it was longer, I really would have had a stroke. It, do you guys know what a shiva is? Yes. yes. That's when you sit. So, uh, yeah. do you know, Ralph? A Jewish funeral, right? I mean, they celebrate. It's after the Jewish funeral. You have, it could be days, it could be a week, but people come to your home, they bring food, they do, you know, religious services, and it's another uh, social type of nexus in the Jewish community. And so that's about this young woman who, um, goes to the Shiva and, uh, is with her parents and they're all very, 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 very Jewish. And it was very, very real. And then she runs into a couple and the husband of the couple is actually her, um, her sugar daddy because, uh, that's how she makes money. And it is so cringy and real and, I guess it's funny. It's really well made. I mean, it's literally a bunch of people talking in different rooms in a house and it feels like a horror movie. And, uh, it's really, it's excellent. And there's some familiar faces in it, like Fred Malamed and a bunch of other New York actors. And it's definitely worth checking out. It's on HBO right now. And if you don't like it, it's only 77 minutes. So you don't have to lose a whole chunk of your life, like probably watching all of Halo would be. <laughs> Is it really a horror movie? <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, it's shot and paced like uh, uh it builds the tension uh and then some of it is it's very intimate it, like uncut gems kind of really turning the screws except you know it's not about people with guns and stealing diamonds and things like that it's about ne- negotiating this this family and cultural um event and it's just it's very good but it's really intense hey yeah. Drew, i got a question for you what's yes. the purpose of covering the mirror at shiva I don't actually know the reason that um, th- that's behind that specific one. You're actually supposed to break them, but we don't do that. We're supposed to break the mirrors and rip your clothes. So that's why they cover the mirrors well, and that, people wear that would be seven years of bad luck. Well, people wear um, wear a, a black ribbon instead of um, ripping your clothes. You pin a black uh, piece that's, of cloth to you. So. That's a different podcast, though. Um, yeah. Well, Debbie, I'm just trying to make time for Debbie to remember the title of the movie. If she wants to talk about yeah, stuff that helps her remember, then I'm happy to help her out. All right, John, what do you got? Oh, Drew, are you done? I'm sorry, Drew. Well, actually, I also saw um, a documentary <laughs> called Perfect Bid about uh, the guy who uh, oh, may uh, have the helped cheat right. The Price is Right. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, it's an interesting story. He's uh, he's like one of those guys. He's he's feels very much like he might be on the spectrum because he really – focuses and obsesses about knowing all the prices and they rerun a lot of them in the game so he just has the memory for it and it's it's kind of a funny weird little story and when yeah. i was done i thought huh so that's not bad he watched thousands of episodes of the price is right and on one game uh it was the same price for everything and in the showcase when he bid on the final showcase he got it down to the penny right his bid so he well, won actually, both of them it wasn't him. It was a guy oh, that, that he met in line. That, so that he was, was doing the whole question. Right, like, that's are they right. cheating? Are they colluding? Like, all this crazy stuff. And so now they changed the way they play right. the game. So He was yelling from the crowd, higher, higher, lower, right, lower. Which you can do. Which you right. can do. In the that's game, right. So. That was a great documentary. I really enjoyed that. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, so let me uh, – I'm going to spend the first 15 minutes talking about some shows that I watched a little of. But I'll get to the one that I really watched in good. a second. A so format. I watched a great movie called Love Affair, starring, starring Charles Boyer and Irene Dunn. And uh, I just love that movie. They remade it uh, uh, called Affair to Remember. I don't know if you guys seen that, but it, it was really good. 
Um, uh, two things. I'll just one thing I'll mention real fast. I haven't watched a full basketball game. I'm not an NBA fan. I have. Ne- I haven't been since Larry Bird stopped playing. But the Celtics right now are on a pretty amazing run, and they swept the Brooklyn Nets. Something that they were expected to win, but not sweep them. And Kyrie Irving got really ugly at the Garden. He was chucking the finger to the fans. It was pretty ugly. But the Celtics look really good. So it was the first full game I've watched, and I can't even tell you how long it's been. But what oh, I back watched. Back way back. I, yeah. I ask you a question. Have you been watching yeah. the HBO thing about the Lakers? No. They, I have no desire they, for they, that. They, well, John, I know they used. I know they, they did, did a great Bird. thing where the first time. Yeah. No, the first time they went to the garden, the garden, garden, and the way Red Auerbach treated the owners and all that was just just priceless. It was so. They turn up the Boston fans showed up at the airport. Get out of here, you bums! Well, I'm curious, Ralph, because uh, you you love that show, but Magic Johnson, Jerry West, they're all yeah, trashy. because they make because they're taking liberties with their personalities. A lot of liberties. Upset. Well, but anyhow, let me get to when we get to your section, you can talk about what you want. Anyway, <laughs> it's my so, show. Uh, my show. I'm gonna, as I'm everybody gonna... knows, um, I yeah. like old movies. Yes. And I'm a big yeah. fan of Charlie Chaplin, Laurel and Hardy, Harold Lloyd. But for me, the best filmmaker of the silent era was Buster Keaton. Not, not even close to me. Uh, what he did with the camera was where, where Charlie Chaplin did a lot with characterization. Buster Keaton was just the greatest filmmaker. So there's a biography that's been playing on TCM by Peter Bogdanovich called The Great Buster. It was one of the last thing. In fact, I think it was the last film uh, Bogdanovich directed. It is a fantastic documentary. Uh, it's from his early uh, beginning with his family in vaudeville through the very last thing he ever did. But uh, they also get into the filmmaking process with all the amazing things that Keaton did. If you're a fan of Keaton or the silent era at all, or if you're a fan of filmmaking, check out that documentary. Obviously Bogdanovich is a huge fan of Buster Keaton because it's, it's made with so much reverence for him. And there's a lot of contemporary Bill Hader, uh, uh, Lewis, the comedian. I can't think of his first name. Um, Richard, Richard Lewis. He, he's got a Buster Keaton hat. Um, just, just a great documentary. So if you get a chance, check it out. That's yeah, what and I Bogdanovich ended up dating his sister, right? Buster Keaton's sister or daughter. Oh, have to be like his great. So if you get a chance, well, also, check it out. Right. Also, keep okay. in mind, if you watch, if you watch The General, which on its own is an all time classic, one of his best films, one of the best yeah. films of the era. If you watch The General and you go, I want more of this incredibly vital filmmaking and the way that he tells the story and, and the way that he puts himself in danger. Mad Max Fury Road is a direct descendant. <laughs> of I knew, I knew that. You're gonna, you know what? I agree with you. George Miller, George Miller got a lot of um, uh, Buster Keaton in him. Oh, yeah. Everything's and, practical. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big compliment to anybody making movies, yeah. but especially today. Mad know, Max to put Fury it on Road. screen is amazing. Between that and Promising Young Woman, uh, if, we just, if we did a drinking game, none of us would get through these things. So, which is fine. I'm not even complaining. I'm just. Do you want to? Okay, do fine. you want to talk about promising young women? Not yet. An episode. Yeah. We're about to. Chris, what did you watch? Oh, um, I actually watched an HBO series that just started. It's I've only watched like the first yeah, two, two, and, two and a half episodes or so. Um, it's called uh, Tokyo Vice, oh. and it's oh, basically yeah. it's loosely based on a true story of a young man who went to Japan. And, uh, he's learning Japanese and he's actually pretty fluent in it. And he actually passes a test to become the first foreign reporter, 
um, at this, like, the Japanese, the Tokyo newspaper, right? And so it gets into, like, a lot of that salaryman vibe, but it's, you know, the, but the reporters. And so he obviously gets more, but he's still, he's still an American. You know what I mean? So he has this American sensibility and he doesn't want to just, you know, write the stories exactly the way that he's told to write the stories and things like that. So far, it's pretty good. I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah, I'll let you know how how it turns out. Well, who's the uh, the the lead Asian actor in that? Uh, That's uh, can't uh, think of his name. Uh, it's oh, Ken Watanabe. Is that uh, Ken Watanabe? Yeah, yeah. That's who it is. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy yeah. that was in like um, Inception, and yeah, he, he, he's basically the one mature Japanese actor that isn't in, in Hollywood right now. You know, and when I say mature, I mean like over forty. Right. Is that is that Ansel Elgort? Is he the lead? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the he guy. the lead in um in one of the greatest movies of last year? I haven't seen yet. It was a musical or something that Spielberg did. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> now that's that's, that's right. a Michael that's Mann right. show, right? That's a Michael Mann show. Yeah. Does that is that by Michael Mann? Yeah. Tokyo oh Vice? yes, it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. He directed at least. Have the you first guys episode. been drinking like before this? Yeah, right. Yeah. Chris, have yeah, you been drinking? Start. You have because you're this definitely is... no, you're definitely a little looser than you usually are. Yeah, I've well, noticed yeah. that. <laughs> well, you know, it's Streets of Fire, man. You got to get loose for Streets of Fire. <laughs> all right, enough of this. All right, I'm going to be quick because you guys took all the time. Unbelievable. I finished. Right. Uh, I finished. Uh, we crashed. Yeah. And um, the only thing I want to say is, I-, I think what these shows have done is they've humanized these people. These scam artists who, who destroyed people's lives and, and, uh, you know, made millions and billions of dollars off other people's stuff. And it's, you know, the shows were great. Jared Leto was great. Uh, Anne Hathaway probably will get an Emmy for her portrayal of, of his, of the wife. But I think what these shows have done, like I said, is they've humanized these people. Cause when you start reading the backstories of what these people actually did, it's horrendous. The way they treated people and how they made all their billions and they walk away with a $1.9 billion payout to keep all their houses. And as much as I love watching this, uh, uh, billionaire porn, the billions and all these other shows about, I just get frustrated that the workers are the ones who get screwed. These guys in the last show, I'm not going to spoil anything, but one scene is some guy who uh, a week before thinks an IPO is going to happen. And now he's on the uh, website looking for unemployment insurance. And these guys walk away with all their money. Did you watch the Netflix documentary on that? Yeah. I think it was Netflix. Yeah. No, they Hulu did a big one on the Hulu. week crash. And- I thought that documentary was, was incredible. Yeah, yeah. me too. My and they certainly weren't sympathetic to him, no. especially. No, but they don't show everything either. There's right. When you start reading the, the real stuff that went on, they were some pretty despicable people. Yeah. But anyway, but the shows are great. They're, 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 and Anne Hathaway really did a great job. And I, and I just, it just, they humanize them a little bit too much for my liking, but. Well, the good thing is because a lot of people don't like documentaries. So they'd rather watch something serialized than watch a documentary, which I think is a shame because I think the documentaries are better than the. Well, I have a feeling that these, these lead them to the documentary, actually. Like you kind of want to get a little more information. uh, Going down the rabbit hole, as you always say. Down the rabbit hole, which is, I didn't make that up. The the deep deep dive. dive. All right. Chris, I'm glad you're here because it's yeah. time for your film. So let's That's talk right. about what you brought. Yeah. I brought um, oh, love this Walter movie. Hill's 1984 um, cult classic, we'll call it, um, yep. Streets of Fire, starring uh, a very young Diane Lane, Michael Pere, Rick Moranis. I'll be coming for her. And, of course, Willem Dafoe. And, Ed Begley uh, Jr. Ed Begley Jr. shows up. Rick Rossovich from Top Gun. Rick Rossovich yeah. from yeah. Robert Townsend. Uh, 
Robert Townsend. Townsend. Yeah. Edwin, Edwin Rollins Jr., that guy. Ed, Ed Are we Rollins just yelling Jr. out the cast? Is that yes. <laughs> That's, what, That's all we're doing. That's all we're Amy doing. Amy Madigan. Yeah, Amy Madigan. Deborah Van Valkenburg. Um, oh. Anyway, the point is, uh, so anyway. Close for comfort. Yeah. Ed, Ed Begley yeah. Jr. Yeah. We already covered We already that. said that, Ralph. Have another new dance and flash dance. <laughs> yeah, That's she's right. in it too. True. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I brought this movie. It's basically, as it says in its opening, it is a rock and roll fable from another time and another place. It is, uh, I look at it as almost, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not nearly as good as The Warriors, but it feels like almost like a spiritual sequel to The Warriors in the sense where in The Warriors, um, to great effect, he shot things all around actual New York City uh, in great places in the subway and in parks and just out in the actual city. Uh, obviously, the characters were heightened, kind of the everybody, all the gangs wearing the same outfits and, you know, things like that. And this, he took it a step further, and he, he actually went to the Universal New York backlot, which is like a few blocks of, quote-unquote, New York City streets that have been shot maybe between TVs and movies maybe 500 times. And so they tried to really um, kind of up that whole neon fever dream, you know? Um, I think I called it an adolescent fever dream at one point, and... Uh, and, and I do feel like, and in, in Walter Hill has talked about it, and it's basically this adventure movie um, that barely has a script, um, and it just starts, and it just goes, and it doesn't really stop until it gets to the end. Um, and it's punctuated by straight-up, full-length performances of about three to four different songs um, throughout the film. Um, Sometimes they add stuff to the film, and sometimes they don't as much. Uh, there's a whole, but this is really one of those movies that, when you look at it, uh, the behind the scenes are almost as interesting as the movie itself. But the basic story is that um, uh, bad guy biker guy Willem Dafoe decides that he is going to go get Ellen Aim, who is a up and coming singer, and uh, he kidnaps her in front of a group of like 500 people and takes her back to his neighborhood. Um, the battery. And the battery, yeah. And then his, basically her old boyfriend, Tom Cody, played by Michael Pere, is sent a telegram to come home. And so he comes home and then goes after her, even though she's with a her producer or promoter, Billy Fish, played wonderfully by Rick Moranis. Wonderful. Yes, I think he's fantastic <laughs> in this film. I do. Okay. He's such a, he's so unlikable, which is funny because yeah. Rick Moranis is such a normally a likable guy. Um but he kind of plays that whole slimy producer, uh, manager to the hilt. And, uh, so basically it's the story of Tom Cody rescuing the girl, bringing it back, and then a showdown, uh, with the bad guy, Raven Shattuck, played by an unbelievably pale Will, Will unbelievably Defoe. pale. And young. Yeah. yeah. And young. Yeah. I mean, young. yeah. Yeah. But he I was mean, so young in that movie. Yeah. So it's basically. Maybe he wouldn't have been so pale. If he wasn't wearing black leather. <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah. I think it was vinyl. I don't think it was leather. I think yeah, it was yeah, vinyl. Was no like vinyl waders. Like this. He looked like me underneath. It was I know. Like yeah. That's yeah. why you, I, that's why you shaved your chest hair, Ralph. I didn't shave it. It's there. <laughs> oh, please. Oh. Chris, Chris. We quadrucies have a lot of chest hair. There's, there's been some drawbacks to having Ralph here in person. That's number one. Right there. Well, <laughs> chest hair, right? Yeah, he's not a very uh, he's not very giving, if you he know said what I mean. One drawback. Yeah. That's it. But what I'm saying is uh one of the things I love about this film is that it is it is the epitome of sorry about my dog, uh the epitome of like style over substance in the sense that everything is about how everything looks and sounds and the images. Um 
and everything else really takes a back seat. Um, noticeably, you know, some people might say acting and, uh, editing. yeah, really? You see, I think this movie is fantastic. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Okay. All right. But, uh, like I said, this movie was a failure when it came out. It came out one week after Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and it opened opposite Star Trek three and the search for Spock. Um, Dagger. so Dagger. It, it basically had no chance. It's, it's, but the funny thing is I, I watched a bunch of documentaries about this. It's, it's one of those films that is a, uh, enough of a cult that it literally has two full length documentaries about the making of it. Uh, I yeah, watched them wow. both because, you know, sometimes I don't have a lot to do. And, uh, long story short is, um, you know, there was a change of ownership or not uh, change of management at the studio, which, and um, we've heard this story before from a bunch of people. Uh, and they say, you know what? The, the new management never really puts a lot of effort behind any of the old films because they don't want them to succeed. You know, not that this film would have succeeded, not like it's such a masterpiece that would have, you know, had it been marketed properly. At least you're being honest. You know, it's not, it's not a masterpiece, but at the same time, it has got energy. It has got, um, you know, vibrancy and energy and, uh, it's beautiful to look at. Um, especially if you like neon and wet streets and I'm a sucker for those things. Uh, I will say this, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, Buster Keaton, you know, and there's a great quote by Chaplin at one point who said that the purest cinema is chase scenes and fight scenes. So that pretty much means this is pure cinema. That's the way I look at it. So, uh, Put that on the poster. yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, the music is crazy. It's by Jim Steinem, who, is uh, Meatloaf, the guy who wrote a lot of Meatloaf songs. So the two big numbers that uh, Diane Lane performs, performs, uh, meaning that she- Lip syncs. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the opening number and then the ending number are both uh, his his work. And, and it feels that way. They have these, they're unbelievably earnest with zero irony in them, which I actually really like. And uh, But surprisingly enough, the song that actually came from this movie, that was an actual radio hit, was the uh, kind of the doo-wop throwback retro, I Can Dream About You. Yeah. Um, it was performed by Robert Townsend and uh, the guy who- Mikkel T. Up, Williamson. Yes, there's a bunch of those guys. Tony the Jackson. Funny, mm-hmm. The funny thing is when you look at it, um, what's his name? Uh, Robert Townsend virtually has no lines. I don't even think, I mean, he might say a few things and obviously sings, but I've often wondered if he got inspired by that role. Uh, what he later did the five heartbeats. That was another one of his, hmm. his more popular films. But anyway, so he's the money it. from that movie to uh, finance, to help finance Hollywood shuffle. That's why he did that movie. Really? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. But, I, uh, did, I did not know that. I <laughs> did not know that. That this, is wild and wacky stuff. This is just one of those movies that, um, and the funny thing is you say it was poorly edited. I want to know what you mean by that because, uh, it was poorly edited. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I made by it. Uh, yeah. Because the funniest thing is I watched this film yeah. and it reminds me, one of the things I love about Walter Hill in general is he has these really like great fight scenes, these great action scenes and they're super quick cutting, but yet you still know what's going on, you know? And I have one retort for everybody who might not like this film. Sledgehammer fight. That's it. Oh. That was that was yeah. pretty cool. That's, that's Walter Hill also likes fog. He also yes. likes fog. Yes. Yeah, he loves fog. the look of things. Anyway, yeah. I've been rambling on for like seven straight minutes, so I'm gonna. That's all right. I'm Actually, gonna see. Okay. And you're uh, smiling uh, more than you've <laughs> smiled in any episode so far. 
Hey, you have I, smiled more than any episode. So you guys are both lit. I can tell already. <laughs> that's, <not the> <laughs> that's awesome. Right. Let's go. They're getting dark up yeah. there in uh, wherever island they're on. So, Sean, uh, what do you got to say? The island of St. Croix. Well, let me speak for myself, and then I'll let Debbie. She's in the ladies' room. But um, Did you mic her up? You know, Walter Hill, this is the odd film out. You know, you got the Warriors, mm-hmm. you know, Classic. which is amazing. Classic. You have... Um, Long Riders. Classic. We have Southern Comfort, which I think oh is my God. really Super underrated. Yep. Yeah, it's fun. And, you know, later you have 48 Hours, came up with the story for Aliens. You know, I mean, he, he was on a colossal run. But this was the weird movie. This was definitely the weird movie. And what I here's what I liked about it. One, I liked how indistinct it was. Like the cars... You know, the cars could have been from the 40s, yeah. the 50s. You know, there were no logos on them. And, you know, the, underneath the um, underneath the elevated railway, there's that store. That, you know, is the same set location as the candy store in The Natural, where um, Robert right. Redford meets going, you know, a group again. Oh, go take care That's of that. Weird. Hey, throw that dog a bone. And... Um, <laughs> When I, you know, and it's the um, sledgehammer fight is really amazing, you know. And what I really love about the sledgehammer fight is how it ends. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just standing there breathing heavy, William Defoe, and you're like, "What's going to happen?" Michael Pere just reaches over, pushes him over, <laughs> you know, with like two fingers. To me, that was that was absolutely hilarious. And I really like the Dan Hartman song, I Can Dream About Her. You know, it's funny because I've not seen this film in decades. But as soon as that first song started playing, and I didn't research it, I like to watch them before I research them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's Jim Steinem. You can just tell from the song. But one thing that really made me mad was that song started with drum beats. And you see the guy on stage hitting the acoustic drums, but I swear to God, those are electric drums. <laughs> and it just it just killed me that um, they're playing acoustic drums. Of course, that's who wants that's to see the that's play? that's the thing that that's the unrealistic thing that drove you crazy <laughs> was the yeah. drums. Okay, just one yeah. check. No, no, but no. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, I didn't realize Michael Pere was still working. He's like making a million films. Mm-hmm. And and he's kind of a has been, and it makes me wonder why he's never been in any of my movies. You know, because he's the kind of actor we get. In fact, when we were doing the Revelation Road films, the ones that are being made now into a Sony produced streaming series, on the third film, they're like they even ding 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 said, ding. They said I, I don't have, I don't have the, you I don't think have of any eighties or nineties action star. You know, we wanted somebody, you know, sort of somebody who's been seasoned and had lost their value. Here's what I want to like know. A, like a Howie Long. Yeah. Yeah. I want to no, know how many. Like, um, I want to know how many like, has-been um, actors want to work Snipes, with you again. John Paul Van Damme. Yeah. We, how many John Paul Van Damme. 
Did you just say John Paul, John Paul Van Damme? That's the, the apostle. Been That's saying, the apostle that could could split. He could split between trees. That's John. It's Paul. bad yeah. enough you've been saying William Defoe, but I mean, my God, the gentleman's name is Jean Claude Van Damme. Have some respect for yeah. that Belgian. <laughs> no, but I want to tell you God. something. We could, I, we should have gotten Michael Pere for that movie that we were looking for. We could have probably gotten him for a great price, you know. So, um, but you know. Here's what I don't like about the film. Oh. One, Michael Pere, I just don't think he has any charisma. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And Rick Moranis, you know, this may have been one of his first films. And so he wasn't already so stereotyped. But it's hard to look back on him in this role after seeing everything else he's done. You mm-hmm. know? It, it just, you know, it's like, Every time he opened his mouth, I'm like, that's not Rick Moranis. But I tell you what, William Defoe was fantastic. It's Willem. Film. It's Willem. I know, but I'm calling him William because I bet you his name really was William, but there was probably a William Defoe already in SAG. So probably <laughs> You'd be surprised how often that happens. So um, I like, you know, but. I like the Ry Cooter music in it throughout, oh, too. That was great. Yeah. Who also did the score for, like, Long Riders, I believe, yep. and for, um, what's that other one, Southern Comfort as well. You know, so there were things I liked about this movie. I didn't think the the plot didn't really make any sense. It's sort of like, he. why did he even kidnap her? Yeah, exactly. Well, because he, he like you really said, care about her. he wanted two weeks of some fun, and then he was going to let her go. Yeah, we're going to fall in yeah. love for a couple of weeks, and then I'm going to let you go, and everybody's going to have a good time. I mean, okay, did well, anybody believe that, that she'd be in a good way? I'll tell you what, the, the major problem I have with the film is uh, that, you know, the guy didn't even care about, the guy didn't even care about the woman, so why should we care? I mean, I, I didn't... I wasn't interested at all in it. There was no feeling. There was no, you know, structure to it. It was just a sort of like through. It was all haphazardly done. She kept saying throughout the movie, "Human beings don't act like that." Right. Well, it's a remember. Remember the. It's a rock it's a and roll fable. fable, right? Well, even so fables nothing, are nothing is real. Hip- of the human condition and you know what it's like to be what what it's like to talk like a human being would yeah i mean i i I agree with you debbie in the sense that you know they don't really act the way most normal people would act but i mean i will say this i can kind of understand where um especially you know in some of the the most human sequences happen between uh reva uh his sister and him, the Deborah Van Valkenberg and Michael Perret, where he, she, he's basically like, let me get this straight. You want me to come back to town and rescue my ex-girlfriend who's living with another, with another guy? I mean, I can kind of understand that. I mean, you know, the whole rescuing thing is one is obviously, you know, uh, for the film, you know, it's, it's super intense, but like you can see where people have asked you to do favors for exes in the past. And you're like, why would you think I would do that? You know? Um, why would I, why would I go help my ex-girlfriend move her apartment? Why would I do that? And you wouldn't do it. Now, obviously this is a movie and things like that, but I mean, I, I kind of understood like his, his reluctance and how, you know, he's, he's kind of bitter. He's obviously angry. He obviously cared about her in the, all along. He just didn't want to 
pretend that he was. I mean, he had to have this kind of tough guy persona, you know, and in the end, he, you know, he takes the thousand bucks that he owes uh, McCoy, the Amy Madigan character, and he, and he throws that back. And that's kind of what makes her realize that he still loves me and I still love him. Um, and I love the fact that they don't end up together in the end. Like he, he still says to her, he's like, and you know, in that, let's face it, not great delivery. I'm not the kind of guy to be carrying your guitars for you. You know, um, it just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that this, you know, movie speaks to the human condition because it doesn't, but like, I don't know. I felt like people somewhat acted the way they, they would. Dare you say life. it has a Casablanca ending? Uh, no. Well, no, now you just, you just stole my line, Ralph. <laughs> you stole my line. All I want to say is that, you know, Chris, I bring films really about the human condition, the reality of struggle, like the Trinity's movies. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean this this film. Uh, all right, all right. Oh, let's get John and Drew. Yeah, yeah John, John and Drew. And Drew I have a lot it. to say, but I'm going to say it quick. But I want to hear John and Drew. Let's go to Drew because John's I don't know, playing with his dog or something. <laughs> Drew. First of all, I, I want to uh, apologize, Sean. He was born William James Defoe. It doesn't excuse your uh, not saying his actual name now, but he is a William that became a Willem. So, you know. Can I just say one thing then? If he's watching this, because he probably probably surfs YouTube all the time, he'll (laughs) see this. I want to apologize. I just thought it was Screen Actor Guild stuff. So So he's not a has-been. He's not a has-been you'd put in one of your movies yet? Willem, no way, man. He's, He's boss. He's still great. Yeah, so this is a terrible movie, um, <laughs> but it's terrible in in these like really distinct, specific ways. Like as I was watching it, I was taking notes, and like the only the only Razzie nominee in the movie, uh, the only nomination the movie got for a Razzie was Diane Lane, and I don't really care for the Razzies. I think they're they're generally kind of not you know they're just kind of mean spirited before the mm-hmm. whole Bruce Willis thing, and um. Sometimes they're fun, like when Sandra Bullock showed up and accepted her Razzie. That was a lot of fun. But I mean, if you're going to have a movie that uh, the Razzies are built for, it's it's this because this movie is is very ambitious and none of it works. Yep. Uh, except Amy Madigan is really good. I think she's okay. a good performance. That's right. But Amy um, the great. whole the whole idea that like they filmed it on the back lot on the back lot to give it that heightened reality. I think that would have actually worked if the movie was was actually a musical because I really thought it was going to be a musical because it started with a full song, but Mm -hmm. then it just became, you know, what it is, which is a a a movie with rock songs in it Mm -hmm. and and an allegedly rock and roll sensibility. I'm not really sure what that's about, but but what it ended up doing is making a world that when I was watching it, it felt, it felt really, really fake. It was like um, Prisoners of the Ghostland, that awful Nick Cage movie or something. It's like you've made this really detailed world that is its own thing that I don't believe in any of it. Like all the motorcycles and police cars are super, super flammable. And there's like 80s music and and 50s cars. And the lead has got a lever action rifle like a cowboy. Like it's all these different things all mixed together. And, and none of it worked for me um, at all. Um, and like specific, like even like people in it that I like, like I like Rick Moranis. I think he's a fine actor. I think he's very funny. <laughs> Every single line that he said in this movie was repeating back whatever was just said to him with this in- incredulity and scorn. 
And I was like, what? That's not how people have a conversation. And it wasn't a question of, is this realistic? It was like, Rick Morris isn't playing a moron. I mean, he is a, a character who's, who's venal and selfish and he wants to get the girl back for money more than love, obviously. But, um, it was just, I don't know. It just sometimes movies, they just don't work for me at all. Mm-hmm. And even though it had, um, some elements of things that might have been fun and I enjoyed the warriors and stuff, uh, it just none of it. None of it worked for me. And also, uh, if you want a really good hammer fight, you've got uh, Old Boy and you've mm. got The Raid 2. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. reminded me of one of my more disappointing implement fights of the past few years, which was in Mandy, that Nicolas Cage movie. They had a chainsaw <laughs> duel. They had a chainsaw <laughs> duel at the end, which sounded like, what a great idea. But then when you got to it, it was literally like Not so good. these guys just waving chainsaws at each other and they were entirely too long anyway so this uh, when you look at the like the action in the movie they they didn't choreograph it like it felt like a real fight it just felt like they were making a movie and they kept clanging and that was too bad because willem dafoe was a really intense crazy villain sure and he made waiters intimidating which is incredible but um yeah i didn't i didn't think i didn't think think this worked this worked at all for me But uh, it's definitely an interesting thing on everybody's resume in the movie. There you go. John. Well, Chris, I think you'll be happy to know that I love this movie. Uh, it is one of my top three rock and roll fable movies. Oh, my God. So, uh, top three. That's... So for me, it's way up there. And wait, I wait, saw wait, this. Wait, in... what, are the, what are the other two? Yeah, what are the other two? Um, the one with the village people, Don't Stop the Music, which I just love, <laughs> and Tommy. Okay, okay, that I you forgot. Uh, you I'm forgot. kidding about. I'm kidding about the uh, Village People movie. Well, you I forgot. like this movie for what? You forgot. You forgot the other classic rock and roll fable, which is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. What is it called? That's Hedwig a- and the Angry Inch. Yeah, no, I don't know that one. Yeah. Oh, you are missing okay. out, man. No, he would so, not know. I was about one. to say, yeah. I'm glad you were kidding about. Don't stop the music because that would on, not be a compliment uh, to this film. No, that's Bruce Jenner's Caitlin big role. Jenner, Caitlin Jenner. I love this movie uh, for a number of reasons. And I saw this in the movie theater and uh, I had, first of all, the soundtrack is phenomenal. I love the soundtrack. Yep. I love the Ry Cooter stuff throughout <laughs> the whole opening sequence. Ry Cooter. It's just amazing. I've had the soundtrack since the movie came out. And for me, the scene that just shows you how cool Cody is, is uh, when the guy pulls out the butterfly knife and he smacks him, mm-hmm. takes it, says, try it again. I just love that scene. Um, I, I, I thought, um, uh, Amy Madigan was great, and her role was actually supposed to be a Hispanic guy. Yep. And she talked Walter Hill into letting her take the part, and I thought she was mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, the the funny thing about the music is the only one who does their own singing are the Blasters, who are in mm-hmm. uh, when the girl was dancing up on the stage. That was an actual band they actually sang. No one else sang in the movie, yep. and which is interesting because you talked about I Can Dream About You, which was a big hit. Well, when Dan Hartman went on Solid Gold and sang that song. He's a white guy with long blonde hair. No one believed he was the so- guy who sang right. the song, but it was his song and it was a, it was a huge hit. And that number at the end, uh, both theirs, the Sorrells and the final number, I just love the energy of that scene. And, and to, to Ralph's point, this definitely harken back to Casablanca. I mean, um, uh, Tom Cody loves her and is going to let her go because of how much he loves her, even though it killed him to do it. He knew it was the right thing to do. And Even he though he punched her. her, he punched her in the face he with had a right to hook. Because she was going to put her down, put her up. Why not, why, John? Sh- John, if he's such a good military guy, 
Nice little gentle chokehold. No, no. Let me go to sleep. No, he cocks her with a right hook. Uh, And she goes, that right hook was awesome. (laughs) Sometimes. Oh, wait, John. John, do you really... Do you really think that he loved her? I mean, cause yes. the way, cause at the end, it felt like he, he used to love her. They had a passionate thing when, I don't know, they were 16 or something. Cause Diane is, Diane Lane's only 19 in this movie. Right. But then at the end, he's like, I can't carry your shit for you. Listen, he loves I gotta, her. You I can, gotta do other stuff. No, so he, he loves her. You can tell the way he walked away. And at the, the last scene when he's walking out the stage and he looks back at the stage, that's everything you need to know about him. Oh, well, uh, we'll always that, have Parrish. Just that remember was, that kid. That was we'll one of the, Parrish. that was one of the scenes he turned turns and he looks back which actually reminded me of um of um tom hardy looking back at the end of mad max fury road but it's a different conversation (laughs) but he looks back at the stage and then this they cut back to the song and the performance Mm -hmm. and the crowd and then they eventually cut back to michael perret and i remember thinking oh he's still there right like i didn't realize because he he loves her so much but i mean i I literally forgot he was when she pulls up in the 50 with that beautiful 51 mercury and she goes, fine, yeah, cars are fun. you want to go with fun. me? And that's the other thing I liked about the movie, that uh, the stage scenes with all the neon look very futuristic, but all the vehicles and the clothing, especially that the cops were wearing, looked 1940s, 1950s. I like the confluence of time frames. I also think it's kind of the same universe as the Warriors, kind of an skewed version of the Warriors. Uh, it's not it's not a great structural structural story, but once that music started and it was you know it was action from it was a chase scene from almost start to finish. And William Defoe is a great bad guy. Yeah, Perret's not the greatest actor in the world, but he didn't bother me like you know like stopping my mum will shoot Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> I mean, please. So I enjoyed this movie. Uh, again, to me, what makes this movie for me is the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack of this movie. I, I listen to it now. So the music for me really made this movie. And I love Walter Hill too. His stuff looks, has that same look to it with the, uh, you know, he, he goes for natural lighting, uh, the fog, uh, the fight scene, which I, uh, from what I read took, uh, I saw on YouTube took a couple of weeks to shoot. I actually liked it. It was pretty brutal when he's slamming into the motorcycles. And so I, th- I thought that was pretty brutal. I never seen a fight like that with two sledgehammers. So I did enjoy this and I hadn't seen it in a while. So I enjoyed watching it again. So I have to say I, I uh, good call, Chris. Thank you, Ralph. All right, my turn. Do, you, um, do your worst. No, it's not. No, it's fine. Um, I, I, I The film is horrible. Let me just say that. Uh, um, and I, I love Walter Hill. And Walter Hill knows how to stage a fight. Walter Hill knows how to stage a chase. He doesn't know how to stage music. And I think that's what, that's what bothered me about this film. The film is about music. It's a rock and roll fable. And the camera did not move at all. And you, know, you guys talk about West Side Story and, you know, Steven Spielberg. That guy knew how to. <laughs> Point a camera and let dancing happen. This is yeah. a rock and roll fable, and I didn't feel any energy from the music at all. Wow. Now, wow. now, 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 I got Jim Steinman. Is that his name? Steinman? I, 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 I was hearing Meatloaf through the whole thing. I understand that loss. The last song was kind of cool, right? The, the, I can dream about you. But Walter Hill admitted he doesn't know how to shoot music, and he, and he proved it in this one. So from a technical standpoint, the, the, like I was saying earlier, the editing is just atrocious. And I mean, the storytelling editing, the, the, how he goes from scene to scene. It's mm-hmm. just, and I know it's a fable. So you throw everything away and it doesn't matter. Things can happen for no reason, which a lot of things happen for no reason in this film. Yeah. Why would this, 
beautiful young woman. I mean, I guess she's in love with the Rick Moranis character because he's, uh, the career is happening. Um, the, the only character I truly liked was Amy Madigan's character. I thought you Amy like Madigan. Reba? You didn't like the sister? Reva was all right. She was just bland and really brought in. She was great in the Warriors. All right. Great. I loved her in the Warriors. That's the other thing. This film, this film was just an homage to all his films. If you look at this film, I saw the woman who played the DJ in the Warriors was in yeah. this film. She was, was a the, subway was a train driver, conductor. The, the train conductor. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the sister was in the Warriors. The the fog scenes. That's all forty eight hours. If you watch, if you watch forty eight, you're seeing everything yeah. he ever did in all his films, including Southern Comfort. The fight scenes in Southern Southern Comfort are amazing. So the guy knows how to stage a fight scene. He just can't stage music, and that's what drove me crazy. And I just thought it was, you know, this is normally I'd walk in and go, I, this, this film is, a, I, I would love this kind of film and I just couldn't deal with it at all. And well, I'll have one question. Yeah. What was that lame transitional device they were using? No, listen, don't yeah. get me that. I, the, the little lightning bolt what, what, thing he did between you at mean the beginning. Like that scratch wipe? No, I, I, that, I love that. He the, did that in the Warriors. There's also a, there's another, there's another version of the Warriors where he went completely oh, comic that, book cartoon. Yeah. I, his director's cut of the Warriors right. is one of the rare times where you can say a director's leave cut it alone. is markedly worse. Right. Like adding all that. The wild out. bunch is the same way. Uh, yeah. I would disagree with that, but that's another animal. We can talk about that another time. Um, when I bring but if you that. look at, if you look at the lead in the Warriors, Michael Beck, was that his name? Michael mm-hmm. Beck. He plays Swan. Right. Swan was not like, that's not the most charismatic guy, but the way he staged the fight, the fight scenes in that one, you walk away going, oh, my God, those the Warriors can all fight. Mm-hmm. I walked away going, these guys don't know how to – they don't know how to – now that the the Shirelles, was that the name? Who are the guys? That yeah, the Shirelles. Shirelles, yeah. They knew Shirelles. how to sing. They knew how to – that group, whatever, Robert Towns and those guys, they figured that thing out. But Walter Hill didn't know how to shoot Diane Lane and the music stuff, and I just didn't get it. And well, but the only thing I liked was I liked all the Warriors, the, the Warriors and all the call-outs to all those other films that he had done. Did you notice the uh, bar called Torchies? Torchies yeah. is in uh, which was in forty eight hours. hours, right? So you know he was doing all that stuff, but and the whole you know the, I get the cars and the cops dressed yeah. like the old school. You know you, you you'd look at it and go, all right, he, he's trying something at least, and it's a rock and roll fable, so you got to throw all that stuff right. out. But I could not get past the poor technical. Uh, um, yeah, but with the average person, Ralph, I mean, you're looking at it through your eyes. I mean, average person's okay, not but see what you're um, this is about my eyes. I'm watching it from right. my eyes, and I just right. was like, I can't so, get past it. So well, his can, eyes literally turn into the Streets of Fire poster that's behind true. him. That's it's true. Right through him. It's crazy he's, the way yeah, he's looking, at, he's looking at it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but so, so let me, so, okay, so maybe you don't like the way he staged the music. And it's funny, I actually rewatched 48 Hours and, um, cause I hadn't seen it in a long time. And, and honestly, it, it doesn't hold up as well as I remember it. What? I like 48 Hours. I thought it was good, but I remember really liking 48 Hours. When I rewatched it recently, I was like, eh, it's not bad. Huh. Anyway, there's a really big music sequence in the middle of that film, too. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that worked. With the, with I thought the that music boys. sequence with was the good. Boys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, boys the boys are back right. in town. Yeah, the boys are back in town. Yeah. yeah. That was um, one of the liveliest moments of 48 right. Hours. Mm-hmm. But the continuity was off. Yeah. The <laughs> car got washed. It's not, about, it's not about continuity. Well, I guess oh. it is about continuity. Yeah, it is about anyway, continuity. Now, by the way, Amy Madigan. Back to Amy yeah. Madigan for half oh, a yeah. second. She was fantastic. And yeah. then you flash, flash forward to, to whenever she did the movie The Hunt. 
Have you guys seen The Hunt? No. Sure. She's in The Hunt. She's in Everybody's the hunt. in The Hunt. She's in she Field played- of Dreams. Yeah, yeah I know. She's great in Field of Dreams. Love yeah. her in that one. She's the hippie, the hippie wife who let him yeah. do whatever. In The Hunt, she's a total woke liberal taking out, <laughs> taking out Trump supporters. And she's oh, the wow, asshole. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I want to see no, that. No, no, no. She is oh, the asshole in the, the film. Tables. She's oh, the good. asshole in the film. And she's great. And I just, I think she, and she's married to Ed Harris, right? I don't think she, she might still be married to him. That's Ed Harris. I think so. Yeah. I think so. So, uh, she was great. I liked her. And then, the, yeah, she they, was great in this movie. They drive away together, right? That's yeah. the last two. It's, uh, yeah, it's they the have great of, chemistry. It's the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Is that the right quote? I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, what's great? Well, about, I mean, it's I mean, a quote in that it has words in it. So you're on the Was that Edward G. Robinson, Ralph? <laughs> you were just doing? Was that Edward G. Robinson? Yeah. So it's not yeah. a beautiful friendship. Yeah, yeah see? Yeah. yeah. We're not the usual suspects. Yeah. Another one of those. Yeah. There was one. We'll always have the battery. Always. <laughs> the battery. Anyway. I, I only need one. By the way, her, oh, her baby, band, The Attackers, too. was a real band. Yes. That band yes. behind her was a real band. Yeah. So yeah. when Sean said, I wasn't sure, if, you know, what they were playing, whether it was real or not, but they definitely were a backup band. So, yeah, but it was electric drums. It was yeah. electric drums, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny about this film where it's it's, it's it is one of those movies where, you know, even – even people like me who really, really enjoy this film. And the funny thing was, when I saw this movie as a teenager, I didn't see it in the theater, but when I saw it as a teenager, I didn't really care for it. It wasn't until about seven or eight years ago that I heard a really interesting interview with Michael Pere. And it's funny because I've watched a lot of the, the behind the scenes and the documentaries. Like I was telling Ralph, um, you know, on the 35th anniversary Blu-ray, there's not one, but two feature length documentaries about the making of this movie, which seems kind of crazy. But, um, you know, in, in different documentaries, he's more positive about the film, but I heard him on a, a podcast interview from like 2011 and he was pretty critical of Walter Hill. You know, his whole point was, you know, he was like 23. He was like, this is the third movie I'd been in. I'm literally opposite, like one of the most beautiful women in the world. And I would say to Walter, I'm like, who, who is this guy? What am I supposed to be doing here? I need a little help. And he was like, Walter basically didn't give him, he was like, literally stand there and look like a movie star, you know, things like that. And, um, he, he talked about it kind of in a, you know, and he was, he was pretty critical of Hill. He was basically like, Hill comes at things from a writer's perspective. Cause you know, Hill right. was a writer before he was a director and, um, or, you know, like a lot of folks, he, he wrote screenplays before he was a director. And so what happened to the, you know, he, he's like, you know, Hill didn't really give him a lot and he felt like, you know, he obviously felt a little, uh, you know, a little let down in that regard. Um, you know, and it's funny too, you read some quotes by like Larry, Larry, uh, Larry Gordon, who was a producer, also the co-writer, you know, him basically flat out saying that they knew that, you know, Perret's performance wasn't up to snuff and it was going to hurt the film and all that stuff. But I do have to say, you know, what's kind of interesting is that final scene, um, where they sing the song, um, tonight is what it means to be young. That actually was a reshoot. Um, originally they shot it. They covered, uh, Bruce Springsteen's Streets of Fire. That was going to be the original film that, or the song that ended the oh. film. And they, they covered it, but they had never cleared the rights. They were in conversation oh. and, they, and it seemed wow. like it was going to happen. Like they, they were talking with Springsteen and his people and they said all of a sudden they realized it just wasn't going to happen. So, and, and of course you can never find that footage. That footage has probably literally been burned somewhere, but they did the whole, they, so literally like months later, Jim Steinem comes back, writes another film or another song, sorry. And then he, um, what he does is he, uh, they reshoot that whole thing. She's actually in a wig 
in that film because she had cut her hair at that point. Um, anyway, so I just thought I would, I would, that's one of those things when you read something like that, it's like, don't you really want to see the Harvey Keitel, uh, outtakes from the first three weeks of shooting on Apocalypse Now? Oh, yeah. When he was Willard, <laughs> you yeah. know, things like or that. Or the kid who did, uh, Back to the Future. You oh yeah, act, but Eric you can Stoltz. actually. That's yeah. that's, that's, that's out there. Actually, footage. Those are out. That's out there. You can He's also in one of the scenes Eric in the Stoltz. actual movie. Yeah, but right. um, but anyway. Well, also, it, Michael Perret didn't get along with Rick Moranis either. He he wanted to no, beat yeah. up. Well, Rick I yeah, heard he that did. Rick Moranis was a real. He was a jerk to him. Yeah, yeah he baited him Rick, a lot. I think uh, Rick Moranis is a real Uranus. Because <laughs> there it is, there it is. <laughs> Wait, put up the Chiron. Oh, oh. Debbie's bit. Debbie's bit. Yeah, nice, nice, Debbie. I mean, he's yeah. supposed to be really a mean guy on the set. Well, well I don't know if it was from- mean, but like Pere said, he was a comedian that was trying to get a rise out of well, Pere. What he said it was, was- like Pere's third movie, so he didn't appreciate right. it. So Rick, Mar- it was insult comic. He was an insult, right. and, and Pere's yeah. like, so it, Rick Moranis walks up and goes, "Oh, you're a pretty boy, huh?" And he started <laughs> like that, and, and you know, just once, I, Rick Moranis was miscast in this one, right? I don't know if we, I he, think, like uh, he, he wasn't. He I wasn't, don't know if I look back. He played on against it. type. I mean, he, he, oh, he, he wasn't second was, city was television he, forever. Listen, was he charismatic enough to be? a person who's going to be dating this beautiful I don't singer? Think, I think oh, the point yeah, was she could help him. He could help her in his career. That's why she was with I know. But you ever see like I, this? I didn't believe that Remember the TV show Wise Guy? There was a guy in Wise Guy yeah. that played. Yeah. I can't think of this. Not not Kevin Spacey played Mel Prophet. There was another guy that was like some swinging dick dude that could be, I thought would be better as a, Rick Moranis, I didn't buy as that because he was, I guess because Years later, with all the Ghostbusters and stuff he did, and Hon- Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, to look back at him now and go, "That's Rick Moranis." It didn't make sense to me. That's and it was kind of a disconnect for me. Yeah. And the whole the way he talked, all tough. It's like, come on. Yeah, well, was, I mean, part of it was he's five I, foot four, talking thing? tough. Yeah, that's that's Napoleon, 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 Napoleon was five foot something. He talked tough. What was that, Sean? No, he wasn't. What'd you say, I'm Sean? Kind of hard on Michael Pare, but I will say something. I thought oh, he was really good. Hard. In Eddie and the Cruisers. Yes. Yeah. That's a rock and roll myth. That's a rock and roll fable. <laughs> yeah, see, I liked him yeah. in the That's Philadelphia a true experiment. rock and roll fable. Yeah. That was a good movie, too. I liked him in the Philadelphia Experiment, and I liked him in uh, The Virgin Suicides. Yeah. Oh, I don't know who was in that one. Oh, wow. And The Greatest really, American Hero. He was great in that. Just doesn't make a lot. Of, he doesn't make much of an impression. He's like uh, Sam Worthington or Sullivan Stapleton or That's something. That's true. Like, a little, that guy little, looks yeah. like he's in the movies, but he's not. I mean, he's not even awful. He's just kind of, eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought for a rock and roll fable, he was good enough. <laughs> I don't think yeah. they needed, you know, they don't. You don't need Olivier or Brando for that role. I yeah. mean, he was that's, good yeah. enough. That's yeah. true, but yeah. I would have loved to have seen Brando in that role. Well, that would have been different. Would have like, been amazing. I like a little <laughs> acting, a little acting. Did, would be well, nice. Ralph, what do you have? He probably had. If I were to guess, he probably had twenty-five lines in the whole movie. I know, but listen. So we should get really acting. good at them. You guys talked about the exploding motorcycles, right? When he does that scene where he's yeah. a sniper up on the thing, yeah. and he's shooting the motorcycles, and they're with the blown. with the shot, not the shotgun, the, uh, the whatever lever action. Lever action. Lever yeah, action. that was sweet. That was awesome. When he hit the gas, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Tom <laughs> Cody, that's my name." I want to say one scene. thing also about Michael Parade. Yeah, I bet he wouldn't have hurt. You know, stop or my mom will shoot. <laughs> I think he could have only improved that movie. Yeah, he's still yeah. on But wait, I think not, wait could have improved that movie. We're seriously not going to talk about 
the fact that he knocked her out on the subway with a right hook. He had to yeah, that was to protect her. <laughs> that, that turned me off totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I mean he, he loves her so much, he just had to protect her. Oh, Love makes God. you do crazy things. <laughs> to quote Will Smith, it's so apropos with what's going on today too. I mean, yeah. think about it. I That's mean, true. I, we could we could connect it to a promising young woman if you want. <laughs> oh, oh, I knew that is. was coming. Ding, 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 ding. There it is. Nice. So I, I'm telling you, if you've never listened to the whole soundtrack, get the soundtrack. It's an oh, amazing soundtrack. Oh, it is. Yes, it is. It, you know what also is, is weird about this film, and I'm just going to throw this in there. And some people uh-oh. would say that this is a uh, Chris. Could is, you get on the mic a little more? Oh, sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah, um, this movie quite literally was huge in Japan. I mean, it was That's like right. a I massive hit. Too. It's yeah. a massive hit yeah. in Japan. And David Hasselhoff was huge yeah. in Germany. So he was. There you go. But, <laughs> but it's it's funny. I actually it won an award. Now, yeah. now in Japan. the movie makes complete sense to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it won, a, won a big award. Whatever. It's so weird. It's one of those things that, for whatever reason, they really dug it in Japan. In fact, and I actually Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lewis in Paris. Exactly. I think they, it's the, the I think it's the fifties. I think it's the fifties yeah. vibe. Yeah. Really and like, it's yeah. just the yeah. And I mean, it it is also funny too because this is a kind of a uh, an odd little side story. Is um, I remember I was I'm a big fan of, of of Japanese comic books and Japanese anime and everything. And there was actually a very popular anime that came out in the eighties, right? called uh, Megazone 23, right? It was very popular. I remember paying like $35 for a bootleg that was raw. No subtitles, no dub, nothing. Oh, and wow. in the movie, and this is like in 1985 dollars, right? In the in the anime, they actually go see Streets of Fire in the movies. <laughs> they literally go. That's how big it was that they were actually <laughs> animating their the characters going to the film. There's actually a scene where they, you know, they actually redo that scene where they kiss in the rain. I, I just think that it's like that was a beautiful scene. Well, not oh, like, I love not that. Only kiss in the rain, but then the next scene is they're in bed soaking yeah. wet. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. That's, it's like again, that was sweat. I just want to say before we wrap Ugh. this up because we got to. No, wrap I want to keep up. talking about this. I don't want to just and, wrap and it get up. to the. Get this. You're in my house, Ralph. Uh, we'll go yeah. as long yeah, okay. as I there want. There you go. To. That's what Jen- you didn't bring a microphone no. with you, Ralph. Uh, you have to use one. Yes, I only got one. Yeah. Um, yeah, like technically, I want to, I know I, I know I trashed the <laughs> editing, which I needed to, tr- but there are shots in here. There are shots that Walter Hill does that are beautiful. There's shots where the cars are going down the, the, yeah. the, the alleyways or whatever. There's yeah. one in particular where William Defoe, he frames Defoe and he comes up over Defoe and you see all the motorcycle guys behind him, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. just gorgeous. And Defoe yeah. with the, the the leather and the, the no shirt underneath and his, the squiggly thing he had on his hair. When he like, came out of the fire. Just like the stuff he does is cool. like Walter yeah, just Hill. Like Green Goblin. Exactly. That may be. But uh, Walter Hill is technically, he knows what he's doing. He just didn't know how to shoot music. And I think that's where yeah. he failed. Yeah. I, I was going to say that, I mean, as much as I didn't like this movie, I like a lot of Walter Hill's movies. I, I think everybody that's good. I mean, Steven Spielberg made 1941. Not everybody has a flawless right. resume. Right. I mean, I, and I like that Walter Hill's done different kinds of movies. Like I like, I think 48 hours is fun. I, I think the Warriors is fun. I think Brewster's Millions is very entertaining. Yeah. Although I haven't watched that in a long time. I don't know if that would hold up or not. But the production design reminded me of another movie that Ralph especially is familiar with. It's with all the neon and everything. Uh, it's called Dr. Caligari, and you can check out uh, Movie Strange, episode 15, uh, to check out that really Dr. crazy Caligari. The remake of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? 15, 15, 15, 15 of 24. 
by the way. 15, 15 of 24. 15 of 37. Oh, 37. But I, <laughs> the other thing I was going to say, because, you know, you got me thinking uh, about implement fights. And there's actually, there's another movie that's in both the 1980s um, lineage of this type of movie made in the same era. It's also in the Buster Keaton lineage. And it, it may be the greatest example of implement fighting in any movie. And that's Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, <laughs> which uh, has just all of the implements up for, for plus for swinging around and Tina Turner. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty great, that's a pretty great line. Exactly. Exactly. You get that, it. No. Yeah. That. Well, I want to add one more non sequitur here about talking about shooting music. Now, I think I understand what you're saying, Ralph, about that. Would you say the best uh, music that was shot was Knob Hill's Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone? I I don't think I I don't remember seeing that one. Oh, my what? God. So, you know, in, uh, it's not Knob Hill. It's um, let's see, um, Pretty Woman's. Uh, Julia Roberts and um, Notting Hill. Notting Hill. I don't oh, remember. Sing that song and it goes there's through no the four No, there's a scene they do where they all sing. They're all at a dinner table and they sing a song. I forget That's what my that best friend no, 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 no. Oh, okay. yeah. no, I'm trying to think like. No, I say a little prayer for you. It's a, you know what? It's, you know, for me, it was about camera movement. Yeah, like there the wasn't enough camera, not fluid camera movement. He would point the camera. I think that. I think that's fair. It's not, there's not a dynamic, um, editing and shooting uh, of, of music, which is what MTV was basically inventing as it happened. And this movie kind of looked true. like music that videos, but it didn't yeah. feel and move like what we are now think of as music videos, which of course, that's also a, an art form that's gone now as well. Right, right. So I think that's an interesting observation about the editing. In fact, they used stuff. to play, they used to play, I could dream about you, that scene. Even though they credited Dan Hartman for the vocals, that's the video they played for, on MTV. Yeah. Was that from the well, movie? Well, actually, that scene that. is well yeah. shot. Well, because the there's so much movement by the guys. Right. That's well, why. they're doing that. When right. she tried that, she was trying to do that thing where she spins and the yeah. last song she did, she was trying to do it. But yeah. Um, 19, you, though. She was only 19. Right. You Eight, talked nine. about, um, what was I going to about coming back and shooting the Springsteen thing? Yeah. Um, you know, he he didn't want it played because he wasn't doing the vocals, right? I don't know. Oh. Yeah, that's that's what he because it well, was, you know once he, it wouldn't work if she was doing the vocals. No, but I, that, why didn't anybody think about? But I think the leads was the leads. No, it wasn't. Well, wait, to. couldn't he have just punched Diane Lane in the face and then sang the song? I mean, that's what happened. I think that would have been awesome. But he didn't oh, love her. Guys, come on. He didn't love her. All right, let's rate this puppy. Let's start with. Uh, I think it's pretty clear. Well. Okay. Only, only, really, the only, the only real question here is, uh, is Sean. Sean's the only guy that seemed to be kind of positive and kind of negative. I think, I'm not saying we shouldn't rate it, but I'm just saying that. No, that's, I don't no, think we're going to rate it. Sean, where are you at on this one? He called Sean it right. Oh, okay. he's in the middle. Yippee Kai Meh. Okay, I'm going to say you Yippee know, If I had to go oh. one way or another. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't understand how this. Okay. It's rating systems. We gotta, we gotta lock down this. No, the rating, rating system's system. fine. We gotta learn when people talk and they stop talking and we fill in the holes. Go ahead, Sean. What were we saying? Um, <laughs> if I had to choose one or another, it would be a weak yay. If only for Willem Dafoe and the fight and, um, you know, but uh, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a, it would be a very weak yay. Debbie? Well, I hate to say, Chris, because I really like your taste in music or movies, 
But um, I really got to give this a, a yippee kai nay. Okay. That's yeah, I hate your taste in movies, and I'm going to give it a yippee kai nay. No, I don't hate your taste. Obviously, this one I just didn't. I didn't like this one. This is also Joel Silver. Was he a producer on this one as well? He was. Did I see that yeah. in the credits? Yeah. So, yeah, Drew. Well, I'm going to say yippee kai nay, but I had a lot more fun talking about this movie with you guys. That's what I was talking unlike, about. Unlike, unlike watching the movie, it didn't take me two nights and three dollars. So, right. I told, about. when Chris told me about the documentaries that came out in the Blu-ray, I said, that tells you if the documentaries about the movie are more interesting than the film, then there's something wrong with the film. The, the, that's so a, that's my opinion. Yeah. But John, you're up. And nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, yay. <laughs> nice. That's from the movie. Yeah. This is my countdown to love. Was that the Edward G. Robinson scene? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> see, yeah. Five, four, yeah. three, yeah, see. Yeah, yeah I like obviously, I like. Not sure what she thought no, of it. No, wait a minute. She wasn't here. She. I. I just want to say this. My mom was looking forward to this all day. It's been oh, such a pleasure oh, to have oh, her on. Uh, now I feel terrible. Uh, well, it was a pleasure having her on. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We're going to go to now. She has to rest up. We were at the beach all day in the mm. pool. We went to dinner and now we're going to go to the casino. Nice. Oh, nice. So, Debbie. Excellent. Debbie. 27. Yes. 27. Play 27. Uh, is that a game? Roulette. 27. <laughs> Roulette, we'll 27. Black, black or red? Is yeah, we'll play. Black? Just play twenty-seven always, on the roulette wheel. Always hit. Really? Always, always bet on the black. How much money should I That's put right. on there, John? For 57. You? If it was me, Mister Vegas. Yes. Twenty bucks Mr. on twenty-seven. Twenty. <laughs> just one. Hey, it, pays thir- it pays thirty-three to one. Uh, one That's like a hundred dollars. I'm really good at math. All right. We don't I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting right. a vibe this, from this up podcast above. podcast is definitely... I'm getting a vibe from up above. You know what else that vibe is telling me? Subscribe. Hit yep. the notification button. Share it. Because you don't get this kind of stuff on everybody's podcast. This kind this of... This is the only one that featured my mother-in-law. And my mother-in-law. Think about that. 88 years old. That's true. And, oh, wow. 88? God yes, love her. She still wow. gets in the ocean. She's wow. still gambling. She does a podcast now. That was on. <laughs> That's amazing. And she is so full of energy, and she she walks perfect, and she wow, perfect. Well, could you please do me a favor? I'm gonna I'm gonna let my father see this show and make sure that she hits the like button. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. Unlike the rest of us, I'm sure she has her own account. So she last week the was like much button. better. I have to tell you, last week okay. the numbers were. Yeah, that's what happens when you call people out. They do. It yeah, well, them. it's the All it's right. the tone. I'm gonna, the next, now uh, I want to say one other thing, Chris. Um, my recommendation for future shows: you need to have about three or four beers before you get on the <laughs> show because I'm seeing a different Chris than I've ever seen before, man. No, I, and I like it. We yeah, we like Chris. I'm, Why do I'm, I have to understand? I, well, you know, here's the thing. This is my film. I'm fired up about it. I, I kind of chose it because I knew that there was probably going to be a pretty mixed reaction to this film. But And I'm going to call Ralph out here a little bit. Guess what, Ralph? No one is going to make a 35th anniversary edition of the Steven Spielberg uh, West Side Story. It's never going to happen. I won't yeah. be alive if but they do, so I don't care. <laughs> are they, are they going to make one of Barcelona? Oh, oh, yes, they will. Hey, it's on Criterion. Yeah, he's actually, re- hey, he retweeted Born Day, didn't he? Did, did he? he say that? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, now now the Twitter we, now we the Twitter is changing ownership. I think I people think will be able to get on and talk about Streets of Fire, however they feel about it. There you, you can go. Say whatever you, you like. That. You can say whatever you want. It's going to be so awesome. That's right. That's Look, uh, that's America. So the next set, I guess we're going to do around, uh, not around Robin. Uh, yeah, around Robin. Yeah, around Robin. I'm not <laughs> sure. Have another beer. I'm, I'm trying. No, I, I I haven't had that many. I'm it's not sure Robin, I really. can get to the. <laughs> Uh, oh, remotely the spinner thing. Oh, see, because I just did. I just lose them. Are you guys still there? No. Yeah, yeah, we're still here. here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but I can't see you. So this is well, we really weird you. for me. I, I'm just gonna spin we'll, it. You guys we'll gotta trust, trust me. You, Ralph. All right. It's gonna be a here. Ralph, we go. This uh, is for the next round, Robin. Uh, movies about prostitutes. Nice. Movies about shaving. No. Oh. 80s action films. Oh, I'm doing Streets of Fire. Yeah, <laughs> that's not an action. That's a musical. <laughs> Jesus, eighties right, action. Oh, hey, it's a sledgehammer fight. It's got to be action. All right. Um, I don't know how to. I don't know. Yeah, I honestly can't see anybody. We can see you, Alex. Oh, yeah. I can say okay. that because we can see you. I it's know you can filming. see me, but the fact is, I can't see you guys, so it's a little disconcerting. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just assume. Well, now it's like that. an audio podcast. That's all. Right. All right, so there we go. So 80s action films. Yeah, nice. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. Who? All right. Oh, uh, so each bring an 80s right. action film. Right. That's how we do this. I forget. It's been so long. I know. Good. Streets of Fire Excellent. made me forget this. Uh, All right. Hey, anyway, good podcast, everybody. Yeah. Um, and Johnny and Sean, thank you for taking yeah. time from your I was trip just to say, actually do this. Thanks oh, for cutting out of your vacation. Really appreciative. And tell your mom we said thanks for being on. She's wonderful. Oh. Yeah, she's 88, and just like Ralph, she's Gen X. Exactly. <laughs> Gen X times three or whatever. I don't know how to, the, the math works, but uh, so there you go. All right, so everybody, All right, everyone. have a good have a great you know, week. This, this you also makes – wait, wait. You guys still here? Yeah. This also yeah. makes yeah. me realize if we do this live, it's going to be awesome. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Because it is nice being, you know, forget the drinking and all that, but it is nice being right next to somebody as they're making. Well, there's going to be some uh, checks on theaters and film. stuff. What? what? There's going to be some checks on theaters or venues where we could do this. So how's that going? Yeah, Sean. Sean was in charge of that one. He found a nice place in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> oh yeah. man, you uh, that'd be great. Because my yeah. Vegas yeah. thing, my Vegas thing got postponed that I was supposed to do. Oh. All right. Well, we'll so work it out. Moved it. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll have to update your ticket that uh, Yippie Kaye sent you. We'll have okay. to fix that. All right. Yeah. All right, everybody. I want to have thank a good all week. our Patreon supporters too. Big shout outs to all of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thank you, Tom, for being on. All right. See you next week. Yeah, bye. bye.